Welcome everybody to the Heel and Face podcast live on Facebook, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. It is I, Big Steve C, kicking it with you, talking all wrestling. We're going to just concentrate on all news because there's so much news this week. It almost overshadowed the action in the ring and there's a lot of silliness. And of course, you can get at me at Heel and Face Pod on Twitter. I'm gaining followers every day. I guess that's a status thing. I don't know if that's the kind of thing that floats your boat and turns you on, then that's the kind of thing that floats your boat and turns you on. So I'm more about you tuning in here or listening on your favorite streaming services when I upload the audio. So you can do that. Of course, though, why wouldn't you go and like and share and comment and subscribe? You could do all that below. I've also been checking out a little bit more of Middle Kingdom Wrestling, and I'm going to be reaching out to those guys very soon to see if we can't get somebody on the show from that promotion who can tell us a little bit more about what's going on in Middle Kingdom Wrestling. So uh, really excited about that. Again, I'm going to put throw it out there. Any independent wrestler, promoter, or anybody wants to come on and be a guest. We've had guests before and like to continue to have them. We're getting out of much of the coronavirus threat. So we're moving into a place where people are starting to have shows. Promoters are starting to have shows. Wrestlers are starting to find work again. It's not just the big companies. So if you are interested in trying to get your word out, if you want to let everybody know, hey, we got wrestling this weekend, so come check us out, then definitely hit the show up. Hit me up in the DMs and let me know. While you're there at the page, you can definitely check out all the other great shows that we have on Heel Turn Wrestling. You can go to Heel Turn Wrestling, to Facebook, to Twitter, you can follow us at HT Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316. HT Wrestling 316. I told you this is going to be news oriented today. This is going to be more along the lines of what issues are prevalent in the world of professional wrestling today. But if you're a fan of the show, and I know you are, and you've been following along for a while now, you also know that I like to dip my toe into the UFC waters. I watch UFC almost as much as wrestling, and although I'm not as knowledgeable of the UFC, I've been watching it ever since UFC won. So I think I have a pretty good bead on what I like and um, what I don't like or what's going on, in my opinion. And the biggest news also, because I got to rep him because he's from the 440, the 216, the 330, the NEO. I got to rep my boy. Stipe Miocic retains the UFC Heavyweight Championship by beating Daniel Cormier via unanimous decision. Now, um, I am a little shocked at this. Reason being... The the fight was a regular fight. It's not the type of fight that they had the first two times. And honestly, I was a little worried for Stipe 
I had a hint of doubt. I know I, I, I did. I did. I had a, a hint, a sliver of doubt if Stipe was going to be able to pull this off this time. I had this narrative belt built in my head that DC was going to ride off on his shield, so to speak, that he'd win the belt and then retire as champion immediately or at least have one final defense. And then he would, you know, get the conquering heroes send off, which is well-deserved, by the way. And it's really nice to have witnessed a match, especially a UFC match, where two guys who just really respected each other did their thing. So I was pretty excited for Stipe for winning to retain. He is one of the baddest dudes on the planet, no lie. And he's from Cleveland, so that makes him even badder. But I really was expecting DC to win, if not by, you know, knockout or anything, but at least by a decision. I was expecting DC to take Stipe down more. I was expecting him to go more for the wrestling. Even the announcers, I believe Joe Rogan or and someone else mentioned that DC's MO or one of DC's things that he likes to do is he likes to feign wrestling and then come pop up real quick and try to hit you with a couple of uh, shots to the head. And he did try that on Stipe and Stipe defended it relatively well. There were some shots that DC got in that were pretty heavy that I was a little worried. He got in some pretty big shots. At some point, I was thinking to myself, I don't think Stipe is going to be able to take many more of those. And of course, DC came for the head. He came for a lot of haymakers, but never really connected because Stipe is quicker than you think. And he's also longer than you think. So again, the height advantage made it difficult for DC to try to swing because he was always swinging up with those over the top roundhouse rights, looking for the knockout blow, trying to catch Stipe sleeping, but it didn't happen for him. And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Stipe apparently did something that even I didn't notice, but DC did in the post-match uh, Q&A session. DC mentioned that Stipe did a lot more double underhooks than he has in the past. And that was how he was able to stave off a lot of DC's attacks, keep him busy, keep him grounded. Stipe's plan or part of his plan was obviously to lean on DC to wear him out. And that's kind of what happened. The, um, the night, the fight was really good in the beginning. The first two rounds I felt went to DC because of how focused he was, how predatory he was. He was just firing after Stipe. He had a game plan, unfortunately. And this was odd because, again, DC is a wrestler that he got kind of winded. Now, you can say it's age. You can say it's just how DC is. But Cormier ran out of gas in the third round. And I was a little shocked. And Stipe's wind was a lot better, obviously. Shout out to all the firemen firefighters across the world with their training and whatnot. But I assumed that DC would catch Stipe early, show him something that he hasn't seen, go in on a double or a single, take him to the ground and try to work Stipe from there. 
I'm glad it didn't happen. I mean, honestly, you know, like I said, I'm was rooting for Stipe all night. So I was a little taken aback at the results and that it was a decision. The last three rounds, clearly Stipe was winning all three rounds. He got some good shots in. He started going back to that monster left hook that won the belt in Cormier Miocic 2. I'm still feeling some of those body shots from, what, a year ago? So you know uh, Cormier was, and it was a great fight. It was a classic fight. Again, if you're not and UFC purists, if you're not a day oneer, if you haven't been around forever, and you're a fan who just said, you know what, everybody's talking about this, I'm going to get this pay-per-view, I'm going to go to my local watering hole and watch it, you probably thought to yourself, wow, what a boring fight. That old guy, uh, the short guy, he let the taller, younger dude come back. It was a well-fought, masterfully skillful fight. And I was with it. Stipe had a game plan. He was going to lay on top of DC when he could. He was going to put him up against the fence, which he did. He's going to cut DC off when he could without DC boxing him on the inside. So it was a really good fight. I was really a fan of it. I was a little upset. And I do have a general question about eye poking and why nowadays these UFC fighters have the technique of the fingers out. You see a lot of the pros, the old school pros with the fingers out. I don't know if that's some kind of throwback from some old training 20 years ago. I don't know. I know for a fact that I believe at UFC three or four, a very early UFC they banned eye gouging and i'm not saying that either two guys did it specifically i mean both of them traded eye pokes and if you really want to get technical uh stipe did uh have a low blow kick to dc it was inadvertent obviously but you know these guys are trained professionals and they're fighting so close to each other and they're trying to do something that the other one hasn't seen stipe all night had been working inside leg kicks that were really low and one just rose up a little higher than he expected so that just happens it's not like we're gonna start beef with these guys all of a sudden for playing uh the rick flair of the situation Woo! but the eye poke was noticeable dc poking stipe was a lot softer than stipe poking dc again Stipe's got a longer arm length. He's got different angles, but it was bad. I'm not saying it was Big Van Vader bad against Stan Hansen, and I'm not even saying it was Rey Mysterio bad against Seth Rollins, but there was a worry, a concern from some of the announcers that DC's eye was bulging a little too greatly. And even DC wondered why the match wasn't stopped. The ref, I don't know if I would have done this as the ref, but the ref allowed the fight. He basically told DC there's like five seconds left in the round. So fight it out, which there was. 
But then the other thing that got me was they continued another two rounds. And I guess as I got better, I don't know. All I know is that Cormier had a legitimate beef as to why the match wasn't stopped or at least looked at and Stipe was. So that's legit. I wish they would have looked at his eye. And I don't know if the stakes were too high because it was a championship match or not. But they let it go and Stipe ended up winning. But shout out props to my boy from the 330 representing for all the Clevelanders across the world. Cleveland remains title town as Stipe Miocic retained the UFC heavyweight championship belt. So who's next? I don't know. There are plenty of scary people next, including a guy, and I'm going to butcher his name. I think it's Jay Herzio Rugstink? Roughstrink? I don't know, but that dude is scary as hell. And on the co-main event, the match right before DC Miocic 3 was him, this guy, versus Junior Dos Santos, who, to celebrate getting a high-caliber match, grew a porn mustache. And this guy, I'm going to try to look up his name and put some respect on it. Jahirio Jarizino Rosenstrunk. There you go. Jarizio, no. <laughs> Jarizino Rosenstrunk. There we go. Put in respect on his name. Jarizino Rosenstrunk defeated Junior Dos Santos and basically just knocked him out. It was a technical knockout because at one point, Junior tried to stand up and he melted right back down and should have called it then. Um, That dude is frightening. This dude is like a mountain. He's from Suriname. uh, He seems completely intelligent and with it, as many of these fighters are. So look out, Stipe. You might be coming up against... Mr. Rosenstrunk very soon, and I hope you have eaten your Wheaties and your Polish sausage and gotten ready for this match because he's coming down the pike for you. And uh, that's pretty much it from the UFC world. So I uh, enjoyed the whole fight. Sean O'Malley got a TKO. I'm sorry, uh, got got knocked out for all the hype that he was uh, surrounding himself with, you know, the flashy hair, the plucky attitude, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he got uh, knocked out by uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera. So it is what it is, brother. You can talk all that crap and you'll still get knocked out. All right. Well, speaking of getting knocked out, not by... Um, humans but possibly by coronavirus i don't know what to tell you people i don't like to make this podcast political per se so i haven't really said one thing or another about wearing a mask my personal feeling is everyone is intelligent enough to make their own intelligent decisions using the information that's out there coupled with common sense and what's best for their families to be able to make the right decisions on not only their health, but the health of others by wearing a mask, staying socially distant, keeping clean, 
using hand sanitizer whenever you can. And yet there are some people that still feel like they're kind of above everything. Seems like Chris Jericho and Fozzie, who are getting way more mileage out of being a Black Sabbath Ozzy Osbourne cover band than anybody ever expected, performed at the Sturgis Bike Festival. This is off of, by the way, unironically enough, or maybe ironically enough, I don't know, people are so oblivious or in their own world or have no sense of irony anymore to even know whether or not this is ironic, but I'll say it is just for the sake of the argument. Ironically enough, one of the major players, one of the biggest talents of AEW, who made it a point to profess how clean they are when you've got the heavyweight champion of the company blasting his former company and when you have other announcers guys who haven't worked for wwe in 20 years blasting wwe for their lack of preparedness and their lack of interest in keeping their wrestlers safe from the coronavirus to have your main guy show up at his side gig at a concert in front of thousands of people who were definitely not socially distant from each other is the height of irony. But Chris Jericho is not hearing it now because Chris Jericho is all about Chris Jericho and he's all about AEW and neither of the two's poop doesn't stink. I censored it for being a family friendly show. So Chris Jericho gets on and he performs and then he immediately hears the backlash from everyone else. But does he offer a mea culpa? No. Does he apologize? No. He comes right back and fires back and says that he has been the most tested wrestler that he knows. And he's been tested 14 times in 17 days. And he and his band made every precaution to make sure that they were following the strict CDC guidelines and blah, blah, blah. Is South Dakota one of the hotspots in the United States for coronavirus? No, no. They're actually one of the few states that consistently has been below or non-existent as far as the virus. Although it did go through much of the indigenous populations of the Dakotas, but that's another story for a different podcast. For the most part, the Dakotas were able to generally avoid the coronavirus as much as, say, Florida, Ohio, California, Texas, New York were all hammered by it. So they weren't that worried about it, or at least the officials of the states weren't worried about it. And apparently the city of Sturgis, the town of Sturgis, whatever, made an executive decision. The entire uh, town voted to continue with the bike festival. And I get why they did that. It is their only source of income throughout the year. The town exponentially multiplies their population. I was at 150 times their population, normal population congregates for the Sturgis Bike Festival every year. So, yeah, I understand why they want to make it a big deal and why I want to be there. 
Uh, heck, I mean, if you're trying to get Smash Mouth to headline the festival, you know you want people to get there. Anyway, I shouldn't diss on Smash Mouth. I actually kind of like a couple of their songs. And pre-COVID-19, I was looking forward to actually seeing them live at one of the summer festivals in Ohio. But be that as it may, if Smash Mouth is your headliner, you probably shouldn't worry about going on. And yet they did. Of course, if Smash Mouth weren't there, Fozzie would have been the headliner, and that probably would have brought even more garbage his way. So I'm sure Chris Jericho is already eating a lot of crap. He did. He got to Twitter and defended his actions. But still, why are you going to perform at a concert, no matter how small? I was already hearing reports about how basically no one cared about social distancing, despite the organizers trying their hardest there was an eyewitness who called into a local radio talk show in the morning the week of sturgis and he was saying that it was his first time ever there so he was interested and he wanted to check it out and while he was there the concert promoters did their best walk around with hand sanitizers and extra masks and gloves there were multiple stations first aid stations available to try to stave off the virus they were even sending security guards apparently around with signs that were six feet apart walking through the crowds asking people to practice safe social distancing and still no one did it the eyewitness who went to sturgis admitted that he and someone else were probably the only two people in the entire city that was actually even wearing a mask so to go and perform while you also are coming back into a supposedly controlled environment, your one source of income, your main source of income, professional wrestling and AEW back, by the way, to a state who is still one of the hotbeds of the coronavirus is just not a good look all around. But, you know, what are you going to tell Chris Jericho? You can't tell him anything. All you're going to do is just get banned, which is what he did to. Jim Cornette this week, he completely banned Jim from watching AEW or tweeting about AEW. And I don't know if you could do that. I didn't think you could, but he found a way to do it. So Chris Jericho's losing his mind. And I guess we are all reaping the benefits. Some I do know, some people who will definitely be benefiting from some recent transactions and things going on in the world of professional wrestling is the rumors were true. They finally came true this weekend. The deal was finalized. It seems like the major independent promotions that the WWE has been working solely with over the past 10 years have finally decided to come into the fold. And it looks like the WWE has procured the rights for all four independent promotions that it had deals with. So technically, the four independent promotions, Progress, WXW out of Germany, ICW out of Scotland, I believe, and Evolve are all now firmly ensconced under the WWE umbrella. 
oh, how the turntables have turned. And it does make me a little sad and a little winsome for the past. I still want a burgeoning independent scene going on, especially in these countries. It was only a short 10, 15 years ago where groups like Progress and ICW led the British wrestling renaissance. Even WXW completely strengthened their presence and their product. And it was independent of WWE for the most part. Sure, the WWE was feeding them a lot of good advice and keeping the partnership open. And we reaped the benefits by getting Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel and Walter uh, and um, all the other stars that have been in NXT UK. And you know my conspiracy theory about Evolve, too. It's bittersweet, obviously. I'm kind of glad, though, the WWE is trying to at least keep some of these promotions around. WWE is trying to at least keep them together. It's good for the business to have competition. I would like to think that deep, 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 deep down in the dark recesses of the Grinch, a.k.a. Vince McMahon's heart, that he does realize that competition is good and there's no other way that he can get wrestlers other than the PC than if he scours the independent scene from them. So I'm all for it. I would like to think that maybe someone with a clearer head is ultimately in charge of this. I would like to see this under Triple H's or Shane McMahon's Ken, so to speak. I'd like to see either two of those guys be in charge of keeping them as subsidiaries, not necessarily totally absorbed by the WWE. Now, part of the deal does include the catalog for all four promotions. I don't know how that's going to work with their deals with Power Slam or IWTV or Fight, but it remains to be seen. And we can definitely check them out on the network, which I'm happy for, because honestly, the WWE has a Ferrari in the network and they only bring it out to drive on sunny rain, uh, sunny days in, uh, on, on the weekends. That was a great metaphor in my head. I'm sorry I butchered it. So let me try it again. The WWE in having the WWE network has a brand new Ferrari that they only drive on sunny, sunny afternoons. I messed it up a second time. I'm not going to do it a third. I don't believe in the Triple H going after a spot the third time, but you get what I'm trying to say. The WWE doesn't have enough content, honestly, on the network for me. They should have way more. I've been critical of them not including an all-women's promotion or show or brand. They should definitely be continuing evolution. And I know there's rumors that there might be another evolution as soon as we get the ball rolling because i got forgot to talk about the re residency the wwe will be establishing at the amway center 
2020 is wild, y'all. But um, the WWE Network should be offering too much programming. It should be offering too many options. And I don't even think it's a bad idea to have a free side and a pay side because I'll still pay for the pay side. The free side is for random people, the general public, the fans of the Total Divas or the Bellas show who want to go back and watch old matches of the Bella Twins. I don't know why you would want to do that, but there are people who would want to do that, I guess. You know, they're for the fans of Migos who want to go back and finally figure out what this Ric Flair guy is all about in the video, Ric Flair Drip. There is a benefit to having the free side and you can always lure people over to the pay side. They do it anyway. You know, the pay side is for pay-per-views. The pay side is for exclusive content. The pay side is for watching live progress and ICW pay-per-views. I want them to keep both sides. I don't have a problem with keeping both sides. Just what they put on there or don't put on there is what kills me about the network. But as you can see, again, all four of these independents are now available on the WWE network. Matter of fact, the first thing that came up when I logged onto the network was the Evolve Drew McIntyre retrospective. So you might want to check that out. That looks pretty cool. And then just have a ton of different programming. Just have a ton of different stuff. You can put the Women's Evolution series on the free side and then put the Evolution pay-per-view on the pay side. It's that simple. But again, I'm just some guy in my basement railing about professional wrestling. I don't book this crap. Maybe I should. I'm too old right now to be taking on too many jobs. I'm still trying to find one permanent one, but be that as it may, we're here. We're kicking it. We're doing it live on the heel and face podcast. Again, follow me on Twitter. It's pretty hilarious because I'm a pretty hilarious guy. I tried sending a suggestion to Joseph Park about how to get rid of permanent Sharpie on a dry erase board. It's very simple. It's an old teacher trick that I was taught. Just basically take a black dry erase Sharpie and write over the permanent marker Sharpie and wipe it right off. Brand new. I'm here for Joseph Park in his newly appointed position of being AJ Styles' main analyst for the phenomenal Intercontinental series. I forget what the other S is for. You can do the acronym in your head if you want to. I don't feel like I need to, but you get the idea. By the way, shout out to Joseph Park. Shout out as somebody, I think Bubba Ray pointed out that Vince McMahon is going to discover what kind of comedy gold he has in Joseph Park soon enough. And I hope so for everybody's sake. Should be a lot of fun having him aboard. His lackey-esque characteristics getting bullied by AJ, et cetera, et cetera. I unfortunately did not watch SmackDown, so I don't know if there were any allusions 
to their friendship or knowing each other in TNA. I kind of want to chill out with that for a while, to be brutally honest. I'm not interested in any of that per se right now, but uh, it might be, I guess, maybe a, a callback every once in a while. A wink and a nod to the fans would be uh, greatly appreciated, I think, every once in a while. You don't have to come out every day and say yeah joseph park used to be in tna with aj styles you don't have to come out and say that every week you can just give a wink and a nod to it we used to work together you know me blah blah blah. that'd be kind of fun every once in a while in small doses it's good in large doses it's ham-fisted let's not forget chris jericho calling himself the demo god yeah that's pretty funny congratulations you're winning in the ratings But as I've pointed out a couple of times on this podcast, sometimes just because you're winning the ratings doesn't necessarily mean that the show is any good and vice versa. And I'm not the first one to posit this. I don't think ratings is much of an indicator of how good the product is. Remember, at some point in WCW, they were getting all of this buzz from the NBA from Hollywood, from all these other places that Bischoff very smartly connected the different spheres and tried really hard to make WCW synchronous with TNT and Turner Broadcasting. So it did work before, it has worked before, but does that necessarily mean the product was good? There were some good parts of WCW and there were some good parts with WCW bringing in Dennis Rodman versus Carl Malone. That was actually a lot better, I think, than people gave it credit for. And yes, we still, some of us today, have a straw in the saddle, so to speak, about David Arquette winning the belt. In hindsight, he wasn't even supposed to win the belt, but... Of course, the pre-demo god, Vince Russo, came up with that idea at the last minute and convinced everybody it was a good idea. So we all know that how that turned out. And actually, in an ironic 180-degree twist, David Arquette has become a damn good wrestler. <laughs> and he's still going around wrestling. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think his documentary on his journey on the independent scene has come out or it's coming out very soon. I think it's on Hulu. I think it's already been to a couple of different movie festivals and getting some pretty decent reviews. So check it out if you can. David Arquette's journey. I don't know what it's called, but uh, it's his documented journey through the world of underground or independent pro wrestling and then on top of that there's also the text of trying to invent yourself or reinvent yourself after 40 in hollywood so pretty pretty cool and but it just goes to show back to the topic it wasn't terrible that wcw did all those tie-ins it works but it's got to make sense and it didn't necessarily equate to the quality of the show at times you know for every 
diamond in the rough of finding Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone to do limited athletic work in the ring and kind of make it look good enough to be plausible for a main event. There was Tank Abbott, who was pretty much collecting a paycheck, knowing full well that his UFC career was pretty much over at that point. So I don't know. I did catch NXT and the only thing that really I can pull away from it. Well, two things actually that I can pull away from it if you kind of want to go there is one aren't fireballs cool i love fireballs man um it always works and i like how they did it and if you have people who know what they're doing especially wwe with its unlimited resources as far as props once they do something like that right it looks really good. And we haven't seen a fireball in a while, to be honest with you. I kind of miss the fireball. And yet our hero, Keith Lee, fell victim to it at the contract signing. You should have known, though. I mean, I love Keith Lee and he's on point, but he should have known there was going to be some deviltry involved. Once Scarlett gave him back the legal pad and the contract folder of doom. Be that as it may. Um, Keith Lee was blinded and calling out for Cross. And he really, really, really wants to get Cross in the ring. So for NXT, Triple X or 30, whatever you are choosing to call it, we're going to see the match between Karrion Cross. And NXT champion Keith Lee, woot woot, Keith Lee, woot woot. Um, I'm all for it. I would love to see Cross hit a ton of different suplexes. I would love to see him do a Doomsday Sayoto on Keith Lee. I think we're for it. I don't know if I want to see Karrion Cross hot shotted to a title right away. But that prediction will come. Actually, it won't be a prediction. I should have done that. I should have predicted triple X. But instead, I'm just going to report on it next week. So we'll see how it shakes out. And then, of course, the other thing that caught my eye was during the Bronson Lee or Bronson Reed match. The UE storm the ring, stomp both wrestlers completely down and cut a blistering promo on Pat McAfee. I admit that I have been getting swept up on the Mark side of this, and I know this is all the work. I did predict it was a work. I predicted it was a work when it first happened. If you know or if you didn't know, Pat McAfee has previous pro wrestling experience other than being a commentator for WWE. He has been around a wrestling ring before he did it in an independent in Carolina. I think I don't know if he was necessarily training to be a wrestler at the time or not, but he did a couple of spot shows as a guest and he helped cause 
the shenanigans for the baby face to win. If I'm not mistaken, you can read up on it on your own. But Pat McAfee's been around a wrestling ring before, but I fell for it just like you guys did. And Adam Cole cuts a huge promo, huge promo on Pat McAfee. I kind of wish he would have alluded back to Pat McAfee getting drunk and swimming in a canal in Fountain Square. And I'm never going to let him go for that because pretty much dumb. I mean, I shouldn't really hold somebody to their past sins, but it's just too hilarious to me. So Adam Cole comes out and basically says, you want to play wrestler? Fine. You won't be playing when you're in the ring with me at NXT TakeOver 30. And he's going to show you what real wrestling is. And I kind of hope he does. I kind of want him in the ring. And if you'll excuse the Iron Sheik voice. To post jabroni leg like Hashimoto post Hulk Hogan in 70s make him humble. Yes, I definitely want Adam Cole to work the leg. I think that would be a really good story, you know, kind of an ironic continuity thing. Here, Pat McAfee, your only claim to fame is you kicked a ball. Well, let's see if you can use this leg now. And I would like to see Adam Cole decimate and completely eviscerate his right leg. I mean, they've already alluded to it anyway. When we left off from NXT two weeks ago, uh, McAfee kicked Cole right in the ribs while his hands were behind his back. So if we're going to play up the leg, if we're going to play up the kick, the punt, whatever you want to call it, then I think that Pat McAfee's leg is fair game for Adam Cole to do with it what he wishes. And if that's to break it, okay. If that's to injure him, okay. If that's to put him in the figure four, by the way, that is one of Adam Cole's repertoire submission moves. I think Adam Cole's got a couple. He does an arm bar pretty infrequently, and he has done... The figure four because every wrestler from florida has to do the figure four that's the rule i don't make the rules up i just report them to you so we'll see what happens that should be a good match i am really looking forward to this nxt takeover because these takeovers are really good and i'm not going to make any predictions because i don't have the information in front of me right now all i know is that so much to the dismay of some people on the internet the Velveteen dream is back and he is also in the tournament, and I believe he has a last chance match to get into the five-man ladder match to determine who the North American champion is. Say what you want about Velveteen Dream, and say what you want about what he was accused of. What he was accused of is heinous and disgusting, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And we are being very hyper vigilant about these types of accusations, especially with the speaking out movement. But just to take a devil's advocate for just a quick hot second. Don't you think WWE would have completely let him go had they been 100% convinced that Velveteen Dream did solicit from a minor or use his positions of power to prey upon innocent people. 
it's kind of the same rationale behind Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle, again, informed the WWE and Canyon Seaman and Vince McMahon and Triple H that there was a woman out there who was trying to ruin his life. And he did that two years before she even, you know, came up with these accusations. So in the same vein, yes, these accusations that came out against Velveteen Dream were pretty heinous. But do you think Velveteen Dream would be back? Do you think Velveteen Dream would be on the NXT brand again doing his thing if Uncle Jerry and the rest of the minions of the legal department didn't do their due diligence and investigate every single possible nook and cranny about this case. I really hope that whoever was offended got justice. And I really hope that this didn't uh, turn out to be something worse than it is. I thank God that it didn't. And if Velveteen Dream is guilty, hopefully someday he will meet justice but if things were still up in the air even if things were still up in the air would Velveteen Dream be back I don't think he would be I don't think that having the dream on is a liability that WWE would be willing to handle right now considering the environment the work environment the corona pandemic affecting finances they wouldn't be keeping Velveteen Dream around if there was any teeth to these allegations. So I feel terrible about the person who this all happened to. I feel terrible for the person who feels like he's a victim in all of this. I hope that person gets justice and peace of mind someday. If things come out later against the Velveteen Dream, I'll be one of the first ones to chastise the dream for it. And if this thing progresses or if there's new evidence or something new comes to light about this case, I will definitely get on Velveteen Dream about it. But as of right now, again, I can only say innocent until proven guilty and a major multi-billion dollar company would not allow one of its employees to continue being an employee if something drastic like a harsh sexual assault allegation was levied against them. Well, that's it for the show today. Told you I was going to keep it short. Next week, look forward to more of Middle Kingdom Wrestling. We're going to look forward to SummerSlam. Should be huge. I'm probably going to take the entire time to predict what I think is going to happen in SummerSlam. We'll review NXT 30. And if we can squeeze something in, something else in along with the news that you need to know in the world of professional wrestling, we'll do it. I appreciate you guys coming in and spending time with me while you're here, while you're hanging out, getting all of the information from the world of professional wrestling that is worth talking about go check out the rest of our social media at heel turn wrestling please go to ht wrestling 316 on twitter on facebook ht wrestling 316 to get all of the latest news and hottest discussion best takes in the world of professional wrestling from everybody who's involved sleeper hold billy alexander behind the mic Headlocks and hangovers, and of course, yours truly, your boy, Big Steve C. 
Thanks a lot for joining me today, guys. Hey, have fun. Have a great rest of your day. Go outside, enjoy the weather, walk the dog, take a nap, do whatever you want to do, but make sure you do it safely and make sure you do it and do it and do it and do it well. I don't know why I threw that LL Cool J in on you, but I guess I did. For the Heal and Face podcast, I'm Steve Castlenovo, and as always, peace.